0: Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Sprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio. Welcome into another week of The Family Room. This is Craig Wiesmeyer. If you don't know my voice, because you confused me with John Gordon, but I'm here with John and Mari. Hi, this is my Craig Wiesmeyer invitation. I'm John Gordon.
1: <laughs> I'm not even going to go there at all. Hello, everybody. Welcome <laughs> into The Family Room. <laughs>
0: Uh, What a blessing to be together again, and especially because we've got an awesome guest, Betsy Orr, who has, in the process of developing the Purification Heritage Center uh, in Crawfordville. Is that right? Sharon, Sharon. Crawfordville area. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's interesting because, you know, this is something born out of a a purity of heart, wanting to really serve God. And I know you both were out there. What were your thoughts Mm -hmm. after visiting Mm -hmm. and seeing it and talking to Betsy? So I love music. And over and over
2: again, as I visited Heritage, the song, Surely the Presence of the Lord is in this place, kept playing in my brain. Yeah. That is exactly how I felt.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I would totally say that the Holy Spirit was so overwhelming yeah. that there was at one point Betsy's showing us this space that isn't even finished yet. And the feeling of the Holy Spirit was so overwhelming right that I actually, I'm about to start crying again. I'm, it was I literally. <laughs> so
2: I looked over, she's bawling.
0: I'm like, it's good. Wow.
1: I uh, know it was crazy, but it was because you could feel the Holy Spirit there. Just so incredible. Incredible.
0: Well, I love the intentionality. Uh, mm-hmm. When you look at this place, right? The the design that went into it with the mm-hmm. intention of how things all tie together and, and the meaning of everything. And literally, and Betsy and I were talking about it when I was out there, how you can literally walk through the various seasons of your life based mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. I call them vignettes, the different gardens that mm-hmm. they've developed. You know, here's how you pray the rosary. And if you're not Catholic, it explains the rosary. And it gives you the scripture behind each one of the mysteries that are that are presented there. You can go through the sorrowful, uh, the Our Lady of... Uh, Seven sorrows. Of sorrows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, if you're running through that tough time, and even the intricacy of how the artwork was designed. Mm-hmm. my gosh, yes. that minimalizes yeah. at one point and expands, and then how the white. I was blown away with. You're the getting so detail. poetic,
1: there, Craig. Oh gee, wow. <laughs> that's a
0: scary thought. John, would you pray for us, please? Uh, some <laughs> miracle
2: caffeine, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we we come to you this morning. Just overwhelmed with a feeling of gratitude and praise for just the incredible presence that you have in in the people at Heritage and and what you've done to bring folks together and and we ask you this morning that as as we talk with Betsy and she shares what's going on that that just a slice of of the power that you revealed of the presence that you've you've taken in this great undertaking that did you share that with us and with our listeners. And Father, if there's if there's folks listening who just want to find a place of peace, we, we ask that you help them find it just in this hour together and then also that help them make the pilgrimage to to find a time and a place to just be at peace, nestled in, in the love that is you. Father, we ask you all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
1: Amen. Father the Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So as we just heard Craig just shared, we have got in the studio with us, we've got Betsy Orr. We are so thankful. And those of you listeners here in Atlanta, probably many of you have heard Betsy before. She is a beautiful, mighty warrior for Quest Radio and has actually um, been, on our, uh, been a host, actually, on several of our pledge drives. So we're thankful for that. Um, Betsy is a native Atlantan. Um, she is the mother of two young adults. Children and um, she was actually called into the Catholic Church from the Episcopal Church back in 2008. Um, she has been a Bible study leader at Christ the King. Um, she's been done work with the Saint Paul Center for Biblical Theology, and as you just heard, she is um, currently the president of Heritage and serving as the chairman of the board of the nonprofit, which is the Purification Heritage Center and just an amazing um, calling that God put on her heart. So there's so much more about Betsy, but we can't wait for her to, to share all of that with us this morning. So welcome into the family room, Betsy. We're so glad to have you.
3: Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I had so much fun showing you all the property and now getting to come in and talk about it is is great. So thank you so much for having me. Yes, you're welcome.
0: Now, it was literally what a blessing. And I know when, when we were out there together, and you know, I was, um, frankly, honoring the fact that, you know, you're one of the converts that God seems to keep putting in my life that are just so on <laughs> fire for the faith, yeah. that are doing so much more than mm. the rest of us, and then pointing a finger at myself. But can you talk a little bit about your faith journey? Because to go from, you know, non-Catholic to, like, you know, bil- building retreat centers <laughs> and things like that,
3: would you, would you share that? I'd be glad to. Yes, I was raised here in Atlanta, as Maury said, in the Episcopal Church, I had devout Christian parents and was raised in the Protestant world here in Atlanta, which was a beautiful world. Um, all of our family friends went to church, all of my peers went to church, and it was just something that was part of your routine. My father also introduced morning devotion to us as a family. He would come into my room and we would pray together as a family in the mornings, which was a great habit to remember that my parents, um, gave me. And so I was, you know, a happy, a happy Christian, even in college, I really didn't fall away from the faith. I remember I would be on trips with friends in college over Easter and other places. And I always felt this pull to get to church, get to church. So Often I was the only one. I don't say that out of, out of a point of pride, but that gift of faith that the Lord has given me remained pretty strong even in college. And when I got out of college, I started participating in Bible studies first in Charlotte and then here in Atlanta. And then I started leading Bible studies and I've been in Bible study for 30 years, which um and leading a lot of bible studies during that time so that really helped me grow in my faith when i got married to my late husband larry he was raised presbyterian in atlanta so we church hopped a little bit looking for a place to land he was not as comfortable with the liturgy of the episcopal church so we Um, jumped around some to some Baptist churches and others. And we ended up at a non-denominational church here in Atlanta, Buckhead Church, which was a great environment and almost like a Bible study on steroids. Mm -hmm. It was a different Mm -hmm. form of worship than Mm -hmm. Larry and I both were used to, but there was a great message delivered by Andy Stanley and other pastors that were part of that effort. Our children liked the ministry, but it was during that time that I I had this funny feeling, you know, a lot of the non-denominational churches are set up theater style, almost like an auditorium. And I kept wanting to move to the end of the aisle and kneel. There was no kneeling Mm. ever in any of these services. I started thinking, why do I feel like I I need to kneel during either the praise and worship music or during some of the prayers? And I thought, maybe I'm supposed to go back to a more traditional Protestant church, you know, the order of worship is just different in the mainline protestant churches and i thought maybe maybe i need to get a you know back to some of that some of that's missing in these non-denominational churches so at the same time i had a real good friend amanda haley who had been with her small group from Buckhead Church to the Ignatius house for a Mm -hmm. afternoon of silence and retreat. And she loved it. And she came back and was looking for a friend to go do it again (laughs) with her, do something silent. And a teacher, Mary McKenzie, who had taught one of Amanda's children, had a brochure about a silent retreat up outside of Athens at Carmel Retreat Center, which many of the listeners know about. Mm -hmm. So Amanda and I decided to go and... I thought it was going to be a nice, quiet weekend for napping. <laughs>
0: Maybe that's right
3: because it was in January. I think this was January of twenty. 20- uh, 16, I mean, excuse me, 2006. And so we were both anxious to get some rest because we had been celebrating Christmas since Thanksgiving and were exhausted by the time Christmas rolled around. So we thought, Oh, this is great. You know, we'll go on this silent retreat and rest. And I'll, you know, read up on my Beth Moore Bible study that I'm currently in, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it was a mini version of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius being led by Father Paul Moreau, who's now the pastor at St. Joseph in Athens. So the lady in charge said, y'all can put your book bags away. Silence begins at four o'clock. And here's your brochure that will lead you through all the gospel devotionals that Father Paul will be uh, talking about. So right from the start, we knew something was was up with this. So by the end of this weekend, and we don't have enough time on this show for me to go into all this. By the by the end of this weekend, Amanda and I both were thinking, OK, this was such a beautiful Christ centered weekend. What is the protest in Protestantism right. about? Hmm. So we went on an 18-month journey of reading books. Somehow my life opened up, even with, with kids, where I could read these books, she and I, and we could uh, compare notes in our Bible studies, footnotes, and we started meeting with Father Paul individually, and then with Father David Dye, who at the time was at Mary, our Queen in Atlanta. And after about 18 months, we were both you know, convinced that we need, that we were being called into the church. So that happened in 2008. And, um... Oddly enough, six months later, my husband was diagnosed with a fatal brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lord knew that I needed to get back or get to the sacraments. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in the habit of taking communion as an Episcopal Christian, but to get back to the sacraments, especially of the Eucharist and confession, mm-hmm. and to also fold into the church's idea on suffering, which doesn't exist, or at least I couldn't find it in the Protestant world. So the mm-hmm. the the Catholics, the Catholic view on redemptive suffering suffering in general was something that really helped me through that time. Larry lived about three years. And then a week before he died, he and my son were both received into the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um Amanda and I used to tease with Father Paul and say it's going to be so messy because our other family members aren't interested in converting and Father Paul used to say you just do what Jesus is leading you to do and you get to mass and then you get your kids to Buckhead church and you know you just follow Jesus where he's taking you and actually between our two families Amanda's and mine we've seen several oh, other me. conversions her brother converted and it's now a priest
1: oh, wow. Father oh, Mark
3: White in the Archdiocese Oh yeah that a lot of people know from Christ the King. So, you know, it's, it's been a beautiful thing. And I can say, not only did it help me as a Catholic Christian deal with my husband's suffering, our family suffering and his death, but it's just been the best thing that's ever happened to me. And, and I was happily married and I love my children, but having coming into the Catholic world with a paradigm that you can, live life from and make meaning out of life from is has just been the biggest blessing to Mm. me so it's been wonderful it it shows Betsy it shows from the from when I sat behind
2: you at mass um uh, down there in Tolliver County yeah uh, to to today it shows and I think about the parable of the sower of seeds right and one of the things is it's not like you think about dig a hole, poke a seed and dig a hole. He takes the seeds and he just throws it everywhere. Right. And he's throwing this seed out. And when it hits rich soil, great things happen. And clearly you are rich soil or have cultivated a life. Your parents started. Right. So lots of good things going into that. I feel like so many seeds have hit your soil. Mm -hmm. And if I was in your shoes, I'd be like, I can't do that. I can't do that. But he calls you. It feels like he's called you over. Talk about all the different things, the way he has planted thoughts and ideas and challenges and and calls in your life and how you've answered.
3: Okay. Thank you. Yes. I, um, you know, early on before I was Catholic, this call to be in a Bible study Mm -hmm. was really strong and there's really no good substitute for that. You know, as Catholics and as Protestants, we do and should reverence Holy scripture. There's so much life changing, uh, work that goes on when you're in Bible study. So that was one call that really prepared me to understand the scriptures. And I think quite frankly, paved the way for my conversion, because when I realized where we got the Bible from Mm -hmm. and the Catholic bishops and Mm -hmm. the church, you know, where different things that I could never pinpoint in the Bible, Catholic practices were actually biblically based. So Bible study, those seeds have been very rich in my life. I think also once I became, well, as Amanda and I were converting, there was just very strong desire to study the faith, study the faith, study the faith. And really, that's the only thing I've ever been good at. I was a good student. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, God <laughs> meets you where you are. So yeah. reading all the books and doing all the study served me well, because it, I, you know, read my way into the church, as they say about a lot of adult converts. And then I've had this ongoing desire to study the faith. Um, since I've been Catholic. So these are some seeds that all have coalesced with being able to manage this project out in Sharon, because I have been on this 15 to 16 year journey, especially studying Catholicism that I think prepared me well to think through what devotions might be appropriate mm, on our space. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, those are some of the seeds that come to mind, especially in the faith world that really have set me up for what I'm doing
1: now. Yeah. It's such a beautiful um, example. And listeners, if you are just joining us, you are here in the family room. We are with Betsy Orr, and we're talking with her about heritage. Um, And so I I do want to go start to head head into that direction because what's so cool as we listen to your story and you've said it, I know we've said it on the show before, God uses every experience we have. He doesn't waste anything. He uses all of our experiences, um, even the painful experiences, the gifts, et cetera. But he placed on your heart a number of years ago, I think you said even like 20 years ago, he placed something on your heart that led this Idea of heritage. And at the time, you didn't know it was going to turn into heritage. No. But I before didn't. you were even Catholic, you placed something on your heart. Can you share that part of your story? Because it's so beautiful.
3: Yes. You know, it was a time in our life, Larry and I were starting to get into raising our kids. And we were at a point in our family life where we had some choices to make about how busy, mm-hmm. uh, how many scheduled activities we were going to bring into our family world and, you know, how we were going to structure our time. And we were living in Buckhead here in Atlanta at the time. And it just seemed like, a lot of people were throwing their kids into organized activities Mm -hmm. that weren't things that we had experienced Mm -hmm. when we were Mm -hmm. younger, you know, when we were younger, it's like, go outside and ride your back. And when the streetlights come on, that's your curfew to come back. (laughs) That was
1: my life. Right. (laughs) And there
3: were no cell phones and there was no checking up on us. And your parents just sent you out and expected you back at a certain time. And there was a lot of freedom with that. So we were noticing how different things were as we were trying to raise our children. And, um, one thing happened in particular, that um, my son had an opportunity to play all-star baseball a couple of summers. And one of the summers, Larry put his foot down and said, no, you're not going to do that. Mm. Um, We're going on a family RV trip. So you can imagine all the hemming and hawing that went on about that. (laughs) But it was such a blessing. We got to, you know, be away for about three and a half weeks and see all the beautiful national parks. And, you know, as God's plan would have it, that was the last summer we all traveled together like mm. that because Larry was diagnosed with the brain tumor six oh, months wow. later. Mm. So we were starting to have to make some choices about how we were gonna spend our time as a family. And, and so this idea came to me that, you know, I feel pretty sure was Holy Spirit driven. I hope it is, because it's not gonna work if it hasn't been. <laughs> well, I would argue this... if it wasn't, you wouldn't be here, <laughs> right, just, just right. for the record. That's right, right. <laughs> so um, the idea was to Build a place of retreat where families and individuals and in small groups of people could disconnect from their busy schedules and their technology and come out and be with each other and be with the Lord. And mm. I didn't know what to call it. I called it Freedom Farm because there's a verse in 2 Corinthians that says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord, Lord is, there is freedom. So I saw this place as a place of freedom to um for families to not have to be living the kinds of busy, scheduled lives that they were living and and something that would give us a break, too, from what we were facing, because we didn't want to fall into that trap. Well, we were nervous as parents about how overscheduled and how that would might pull us apart a little bit as a family. So the idea literally was 20 years ago, probably about 2004. I called it Freedom Farm. I wrote a little mission statement and envisioned what the place would look like, but I wasn't Catholic at the time. So uh, the seeds were there, this burning desire to A, not overschedule ourselves, but B, maybe be part of creating a place where people could step off those treadmills Mm -hmm. and come out as a family. And it's interesting because during my conversion experience, I remember sitting in the study in my home here in Atlanta, and this was about 6 months maybe into the conversion process and i very distinctly heard not audible voice but heard got the impression from the holy spirit i cannot fulfill my purpose in you unless you become catholic wow my goodness so the seeds of this wow. retreat center were you know had been cast early on while i was still a protestant christian but very distinctly during my conversion process it was like that was the message. Wow. I cannot fulfill my purpose in you unless you become Catholic. And I didn't quite put it all together at that point. But I, after that, I remember, and I was received into the church about a year later. But after that, I remember there's not going to be any going back on this mm-hmm. because this is what the Lord wants for me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to navigate a few tricky situations with some people who were, <laughs> you know, worried that I was falling into the, going into the, the, the hole cult. of hell. That's right. But, you know, we, we managed it, yeah. you know, that I wasn't. Um, that, you know, I was yeah. still going to be a Christian and it was all going to be fine.
1: You know, so many people, <laughs> and so many people want that. They're like, I, I just want God to tell me what to do, yeah. but I think we don't sit still long enough yeah. and be quiet enough and stay in his word close enough and be in prayer for us to hear that voice yeah. to agree. be able to do that. So I agree. Love and then sometimes
3: story. he, he only gives you that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really know what that was going to translate to. Yeah, like what, I, you next. know, he didn't say. I can't fulfill my purpose in you unless you become Catholic because you're going to build a retreat center in Tolbert County <laughs> on the land where the first Catholic settled and in Georgia. Here's the blueprint. Yeah. Exactly. That would have scared me to death. So sometimes we only, even if we are listening, we only get a little piece of the puzzle, right? Initially. Right. You know? and, and
1: then how beautiful, too, to, to trust that that piece of the puzzle is all you need. That's all you need. Because I think sometimes we don't want to step forward because we're like, well, I don't know what the next step is going to look like. Yeah. But having the courage to do that, that's so beautiful. And that was 20 years ago, as you said, that was before cell phones, before we really even needed heritage as much as we need heritage today.
3: Which is what makes God's timing so interesting that this is all coming to be 20 years later because technology was slightly intrusive 20 years ago. It is majorly intrusive now. Yeah. And so the timing of all of it is interesting when you look at it from that perspective.
1: And you were all before heritage even had it was a, you know, twinkle in your eye, basically, or a twinkle in God's eye, you already were helping to helping families understand there was a different way of living, right? Weren't you going to schools and like trying to encourage people to say, hey, you can get off the treadmill, you can stop the merry-go-round? I was trying so hard. I think I was striving a little bit too
3: much in my own effort. But I was speaking at different schools. And I did a a few of the Bible study commentaries that I gave tied into this. And then I started this little newsletter called Reflections on a simpler life that had about 100 people. But I think I was sort of forcing this down a lot of people's throats. Um, I was, you know, working towards trying to, um, I, you know, develop this idea. And so it was just always on the back burner as a slow burn. And I would get these opportunities some, um, but it was never quite like, this is what it is. It was almost like a prequel. We even, we even got involved in a lodge up at Mm Covecrest, St. Rita's, that was a little bit of a prequel to Mm -hmm. what we've done at Mm -hmm. Heritage too. So I kept trying to make whatever the idea was come to be. So there were these little parts that happened before the big idea and the big opportunity came about. That's,
0: that's helpful to hear. No, it is. It's a great testimony to, number one, being open, having an open heart. It's also a testimony to stepping out in faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on one of our shows, Mari made a comment that, you know, the scripture says, I am a lamp unto your feet. And if you think about the time with with which that was written, that means there was not a street light that showed you the entire path. (laughs) Literally, it showed you right in front of you, right? So you didn't stumble and fall. And I think your story is a hundred percent that I'm going to illuminate something. And you were open enough, had a heart for God that says, I want to serve you. I want to love you. And even if you did force it, how God can use all of that kind of stuff to bring you to his ultimate point. And I think it's interesting too, because, um, You can hear the passion in your voice over this but passion isn't enough we can all have a lot of passion and never get anything done Mm -hmm. how did god put the skill set because when i walk around i've been in development you know for 30 years and i see what you're putting together out there it's impressive I mean, it really is impressive. How did you put together, how did God help you put together the skill set to do this?
3: Well, I think Craig, you and I joked about how I don't have the skill set to develop a piece of property. So what we're doing is developing a <laughs> retreat center on 200 acres. And even though my husband had been in real estate, we had not developed property. That's That's a whole area of yep. real estate that requires certain skills. I have none of those skills. The skills I developed over the course of working and just being in Bible study was the ability to cast a vision and to sell something. Mm -hmm. So I worked in admissions at Emory Law School and at Pace Academy here in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. where you're selling the school and you're giving tours and you're in, you're developing relationships with people that you would like to admit and be a part of your community. And so that's, that's sort of what I was able to do to cast the idea Uh, clarify the vision and encourage people to get on board. That's the skill set I have. What I don't have is the knowledge on how to develop a 200-acre retreat center, but... Um God brought every has brought every person to that team even before I even knew I needed the person. I think I have this image in my head like I'm about to go off a cliff and then God sends the right person to a T. There'll be a whole book or something, a PDF or something about this because from the architects that were involved in the design and two people that came to us to help us master plan the property and a young man from Eatonton who knew how to clear land and, and build ponds and things like that to a landscape architect, Mary Kinesny, who came up to me at a Bible study and said, "I, you know, I, I think I'm supposed to work on your project. I mean, oh. I'm not even sure we've done a job search. We may have a couple of times, but the Lord has brought every piece together yeah. and I'm still learning about the development piece and, but we have this amazing team of people, most of whom I did not even know before the project started. So I didn't even know who to go to and didn't even know when I needed. So God has done that part. I keep, tr- I keep trying to keep everybody engaged and enthusiastic with my skill set, And then he brings the people who are actually that's doing the work. <laughs>
0: well, that's what a CEO does. And there's one thing you tell me though, that I really love because you're a doer And you don't like to waste time, right? Right. Make a decision, move on and let's go. Right. But through this process, you made it sound like God said, pull back and let the process work.
3: Yeah. So I don't know if any of your listeners have done the Clifton Strengths uh, inventory, but my top strength is activator. So I like to get things going and, you know, take action. And these kinds of projects require a lot of deliberation and patience, and we've actually gotten to better decisions by by a lot of discussion and planning Mm -hmm. and deliberation. And I have had to, I have this practice of bringing an orange to a meeting that I'll start peeling and eating, (laughs) so I will be quiet and let the team talk through what needs to be talked through. And I think that- I would need a watermelon. Betsy (laughs) Betsy hasn't had a
2: cold in years. The what in her body is like-
3: <laughs> it's really good, so yeah, we've had to let um you know I've had to the the good part of an activator is getting a project like this started the The challenging part is not being too impatient, letting the team collaborate, letting the holy spirit uh in you know inform our work, spending enough time in prayer, you know, right. I would tend to be a Martha versus a Mary, so I have to work on my Mary portion so It's been good personal growth for me, too.
0: Humility. What great humility.
1: Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of oranges show up in a lot of places. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good strategy. (laughs) So, listeners, if you are just joining us, we are here in the family room with Betsy Orr, and we will be talking to her more about heritage as soon as we come back. We'll
0: be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Verse Sprite On the Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes.
4: Think of the most famous unplanned pregnancy, Mary. A poor unmarried teenager accepted God's will for her life. Her unplanned pregnancy brought us the savior of the world. Just as Mary said yes to life, the mothers of Tim Tebow, Beethoven, Nick Cannon, and JP 2 all rejected abortion for their child. Yet all of them have impacted the world through their lives. To the families feeling burdened by an unplanned pregnancy, have faith in God's plan. All babies are made in the image and likeness of God. Let every child be born, for the birth of every child changes the world. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. This is Father Michael Siloway from Christ Our King and Savior Catholic Church in Greensboro, Georgia. And the Sushipe Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola is one of my favorites. Please join me in praying it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will. All I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace, and that will be enough for me amen. Hi, this is Teresa Tamio host of Catholic Connection, heard every morning right here on this station. And we are so grateful for your listenership. And now's the time that we come to you to ask also, in addition to your listenership, your financial support. Of course, we always ask you to pray for us most importantly, but we do need your financial partnership. Now, most of these stations have very small staffs, of course, because we're not rolling in the dough, obviously, because we are in this. This is a mission field effort. But the bottom line is, This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge, but this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like This One Catholic Connection available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of our Catholic radio family. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com.
4: St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com.
0: We're back in the family room, sponsored by Verse sprite right here on AM 1160, The Quest.
1: We are here with Betsy Orr, who is... The president of Heritage, and she has started telling us more about Heritage, what it's all about, and how God led her to this place and and uh, this blessing for all of us. But Betsy, before we get you to talk more about Heritage, we have a tradition here in the family room to ask our guests about their favorite family room memory. Okay,
3: you know, there's so many come to mind. We did a pretty decent job of having family dinners. As the kids got older, that got away from me a little bit. but um one of my favorite memories i'm not that great of a cook, and so we I had cooked this meal, and um you know people were sort of quiet. we were around the family room table, and everybody was a little quiet and then all of a sudden, my son started to enact a death scene so <laughs> so he would he would kind of go up. Oh. Uh, and grab his throat and uh, like he's choking. And then he fell out of his chair. And I thought, (laughs) was it that bad? I mean, he had a flair for the dramatic. And so Larry goes, well... I don't know. I'm going to take everybody to Willie's now. So I thought, you know, your meal is bad when your son has enacted a death scene because he didn't like it. And then Larry's putting everybody in the car to go eat again down the street at Willie's. So I just always think about how my family reacted to my cooking, which wasn't that great. So now my motto is. I didn't make it, but I made it happen. So now I can pick up a bunch of food that tastes good and there put it go. together. And they'll say, did you make it? And I'll say, no, I didn't make it, but I made it happen. I so like that's that. that's There's yeah. a lot of people who that's made good. a career I'm, I'm on that. I'm writing
1: that down right now, I'm <laughs> stealing Write that. Write it down, that's right, like uh-huh. And is
0: your son still around?
3: <laughs> I'm surprised he's, you didn't
0: strangle him after that That's
3: right, one. he survived all of my cooking. Both of my kids did, it's amazing. <laughs> he, he
2: does commercials for Willie. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they are all so grateful for Willie. <laughs> so let, let's
2: back up for a second, Betsy, if we could, because you were talking about how just incredible it felt to you that it's like at the time when you felt you're ready to fall off a cliff, you know, God sent whomever. You know, he has had this plan. That doesn't surprise anybody. I think what I hope is encouraging to listeners is like he does take care of business. I mean, that message is, just resounds in everything that you speak. But tell us about the whole. The vision and even where it is, where it's it's almost like I mean, I don't take liberties with scripture, but take off your shoes for you tread on holy ground. This mm. where you guys are isn't just a haphazard. Let's go to the strangest name to pronounce county in Georgia and do something there. Right? There's there's some serious
3: there's some serious history there, yeah. John. You're exactly right. You know, the um, the area where we are in Tolliver County, which is the smallest county in Georgia and one of the poorest, is right outside a little town called Sharon, Georgia. And it's the land and the area that is the very first Catholic settlement in Georgia. So there is a sacredness to mm-hmm. the community and to that settlement. A lot of people think the first Catholic settlement in Georgia was maybe Augusta or Savannah, but it was Sharon, Georgia. Um, in 1790 so there's over 200 years of history in that spot and there was a very faithful catholic congregation that and people who came down from maryland and established the community And lived there for a good 150, almost 200 years. And then some things happened economically to their crops. The boll weevil hit the cotton crops and other things decimated the economy and they moved out and Sharon became a little shell of itself.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: So uh, one of the ideas or the images that the Lord has given me is a wellspring Mm -hmm. of water that's coming back in that area. So that area, which serves as the historic beginnings of our faith, we call it the of Catholicism, now we hope it's going to become a place of refreshment and renewal for everyone in the church, not just our archdiocese, but also Savannah. So you're right. The location is very different Than any other retreat centers in the area because of where it was founded. And I think the combination of the historic properties, which includes the third church they built and the the two oldest Catholic cemeteries in Georgia, along with the new part of the project, which is developing the retreat center on the 200 acres where these Catholics lived and worked, is a beautiful combination of the old and the new. Mm. We're sort of reaching back to you know, honor the heritage of the folks who came before us who made Catholic life in Georgia possible. But we're also trying to create a heritage for future generations with this new part of the project. So it's an interesting mix Mm. of old and new.
2: Oh, beauty ever ancient, ever new. Correct. You That's go. right. So well, That's and you right.
1: took us to that one of the cemeteries and actually in the middle of the cemetery, can you describe that? There's yes. actually the foundations. Yes. the original church was? Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: Well, there was original little log church that was built even before that church, probably in 1792, that was considered the oldest Catholic church in Georgia. But then they, on the heels of that, built another church. and named it the Church of the Purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And what y'all saw in the cemetery were the old stone pilings, which were the foundation stones of that church. That also served as the first Catholic school in Georgia called Locust Grove Academy. Mm
1: -hmm. So the
3: first Catholic congregation, the first Catholic school, um, the oldest Catholic church that was built and two churches since then. There's just so much history. And that cemetery in particular is so interesting because... Author Flannery O'Connor's ancestors are buried in that cemetery. So cool. Margaret Mitchell's ancestors are part of that. They're not buried there, but they're part of that congregation. You know, we we have a lot of famous Catholics whose ancestors were all part of this community. So wow. it's a beautiful spot.
1: You know, such hallowed ground. I, I think about... Um, the the prayers, the prayers that were prayed in yes. those spaces. Yes. You know, we talk about how we felt the Holy Spirit there. Well, people were bringing their faith and they were, and, and as you said, they were dealing with bull weevil and all kinds of suffering. And joy and just back and forth and just thinking about the number of prayers that were prayed in that place before. Yes. And we get to just build on that. We do. It's like
3: standing on the shoulders of giants yes, because they yeah. would often be without a priest and without mm. the sacraments because of the way the church was growing and developing in Georgia. They endured yellow fever. Many families mm. died. Yeah, um, They had their own version of the pandemic. Um, yeah. They had their own version of not being able to receive sacraments and yet they persevered. So. There are a lot of interesting stories about the clergy that were involved in that particular mission and how they served. And so, you know, you give, if you appreciate history at all, you can really appreciate this place. But you do realize you're standing on the shoulders of people who've come before. And to be able to honor them is really a great privilege.
0: Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting because there are other people developing retreat-type centers. Mm -hmm. Mother Angelica's out Mm -hmm. in Hansville was really Mm -hmm. designed for the exact same thing. So God's got a plan. I'd love to Mm -hmm. know what it is. There's one other irony I want to mention, too, that's kind of interesting about what you're doing is, you know, you're doing the farm-to-table because you're going to serve meals there, and uh, the field that you're using to plant you said that uh, a scientist did some soil samplings and believes it's the original site from when the original settlers farmed, right?
3: Yes. You know, every so often when you're on a project that you don't know what you're doing on, um, (laughs) God sends you a little kiss of grace. And so we had cleared about 50 acres and because we wanted that historic connection to Mm -hmm. what the original Catholics were doing. And a soil sample, um, a soil scientist was taking samples for us and he could tell from the composition of the soil. He said, well, I don't know if y'all plan to do this or not, but you've basically cleared the exact same acreage that they would have farmed in 1790. He could tell from the soil samples. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, that's one of those times where you think, okay, Lord, I'll keep going. You know, (laughs) we'll keep moving. Like nitrogen content. Yes, all of it. All of it. And so, you know, it's so nice to have that historic connection with what we're doing on the farm side. The retreats divided up into two areas, kind of the retreat side with the cottages and all that, and then the farm. And I think the farm has great potential for programming and also serving our guests with fresh food. And so that historic connection was
0: really cool. valuable to hear. That's kind of That's really cool. And it's interesting, too. You have a mission, right? I mean, you set out. And the funny part is when you say your mission is not just for Catholics. Right. Your mission is for the community, right? Bringing something back to revitalize, continue to help that community flourish. And in Heritage, I'm going to quote this because I think it's what you said when we met. You know, the idea is to provide a welcoming Catholic environment that serves local and faith communities through beauty, peace and historical connection, mm-hmm. which I find interesting in a society today that wants to get rid of all of mm-hmm. all of our historical connections because they're not pure and they're right. not whatever. But here's a sense of, you know, we need to understand that that history. How do you how else are you how do you? I guess share some ways that you're fulfilling that mission, if you would.
3: Okay. You know, the local communities have been really important to us. The town of Sharon and the other town of Crawfordville in our county are the only two towns in the whole county. So being connected to people in Tolliver County has been valuable. We've had open houses. We've had meetings with the community to get their advice on what we're doing and to let them know about the historic preservation efforts and then what the idea behind the retreat center is. We've invited them to the property for various things. We've done the same with Wilkes County, which is the county right next door where Washington, Georgia is. And we have invited people to open houses and to um, events and those kinds of things because we want to build relationship with the local folks, many of whom are not Catholic. But what we have found is if you love their history, they love you. Mm. So the fact that we want to restore the historic properties and also do something new to revitalize the economy and bring people to that area again has gone over so well. We've received so much support from both the Washington and Wilts folks and also the Toliver County folks. So that those are some of the ways we serve the local communities. And then we've had a lot of different kinds of faith communities come to us. Intentionally, we put welcoming Catholic environment on our mission statement because there is an evangelization piece that is really driving my desire to do this, where we can invite people who are not Catholic, who maybe aren't even believers to come and experience and maybe have their curiosity aroused about what Christianity is about, what the church is about through our different devotions and our beautiful spaces. So we've had a number of Protestant friends come. We've got a number of non-Catholic groups booked for next year for our retreats. And it's a beautiful thing. To give you a short example, we have a traditional, beautiful rosary walk called Grace Garden that we developed. And I've taken a number of my Protestant friends into that garden and not prayed a rosary, but gone up to each um, mystery and to um, pray that section of Luke's gospel. For example, we highlight the joyful mysteries. Mm-hmm. And and so what they have loved, especially our non-Catholic friends, is the amount of attention we've given to scripture yeah. and how these Catholic devotions are all based in scripture. So that's been a beautiful way to invite non-Catholics to the property.
2: Man, That's amazing. Folks, if you're just joining us here in the family room, we're here talking about Purification Heritage Center with Betsy Orr. I have to say this. This has just been banging in my brain for the last 10 minutes, Betsy. I
0: thought I heard something. It was. It was well, there's <laughs> that a kind was of that a, noise there's was. An echo, right?
2: <laughs> you, you thought that was a Harley Davidson outside. Um, so when I was in seventh grade, my grandmother, well, my family was very devout. We prayed the rosary every day uh, at the family rosary. So we had a great devotion to the Blessed Mother. And we went down for a family vacation to the Shrine of Our Lady of Snows in mm-hmm. Belleville, Illinois. If you looked up Clueless in the dictionary <laughs> in 1970, whenever this was, it would have been my picture. I went to this to Mass, to the Shrine of Our Lady of Snows. And I, as a seventh grader, I walked out of there thinking, oh my gosh, that's what Mass is like. I feel like I went to Mass for the first time. Mm-hmm. That changed a lot of decisions that I made in my life. And mm-hmm. so I say that because if you're listening and and you just want to go somewhere where God will do a deal. If you don't want God to work in your life, then then you should stay away. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious because this is an environment. I, this is not a paid plug. I'm just telling you, it's a place where God will do things. He will do things. So I just want to say that. I want to also stay with the idea of I think that you have an opportunity there, not just for people of different faiths, but there's a secular element there could be a chance for evangelization too don't you think
3: I think so too because we've created these great walking trails and we have a pond house where you can fish we've stocked the pond and um the cottages are so beautiful and inviting and comfortable you know the farm to table food idea resonates with a lot of yes. people so you really don't have to be a person of faith i think to enjoy our property at the same time i think the way that we've set it up it gives you the opportunity without a hardcore push to explore the prayer spaces. Mm -hmm. Yes. And for example, we've named all of our cottages after a plant that's associated with the Virgin Mary. So there's a little (laughs) bit you can learn about that. And, you know, we, we have different styles in our prayer spaces. So we, we want to be, Welcoming and non threatening, we're not just for the uber spiritual people. Right. I think right. God can work in anybody's life who's out there, but we want to be the very best in the country at providing a welcoming Catholic environment that helps bridge what I see as a gap between what people sort of experience of, of the church and what the church is. So, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because we really want people to feel welcomed and at peace and then i think there's an opportunity when we all get quiet and break away from our traditional schedules for the Lord to work with you
0: wherever you are in your
1: journey. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, you look at Christ going away by himself, right? Here's God, man, right. He still went away by himself to listen to the father. So I think you've created a great opportunity for that.
3: He's Mm -hmm. our model.
0: If he needed to do it, we certainly all Mm -hmm. need to do it, right? Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And he wants all of us, you know, he wants all of us to come to him. Um, John, what you said was just so beautiful and he will reach you. Oh yeah. At any age and at any stage and in any way, I, I was talking to a woman about a month ago, and she was kind of on a faith journey. She she didn't really know what she was seeking, but she knew she was seeking something. And, of course, we know what she was seeking. Mm-hmm. She just didn't know it. And you know what's amazing? You know what, she, what God used to bring her to him? The stained glass windows mm-hmm. at St. Philip's. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She went to hear somebody talk about the stained glass windows, and the next thing she knew, she wanted to read the Bible. And so I'm giving her... Um, Bible podcast, all this information and stuff. And she had no idea, but she was drawn by the stained glass windows. So when I was, one of the things I I really appreciated at Heritage was when we were walking around, your intention in beauty, not just nature and Mm -hmm. God's natural beauty, Mm -hmm. but also all these artists from all over the country and the world World, who are who are giving, who are coming and and giving their work in such a beautiful way. Can you tell us about a little bit of the art that's happening out there? Yes,
3: we've commissioned a number of different artists, some of whom are from Georgia. One is from Germany. Well, several groups are from Germany. We have a group from Canada producing a mosaic for us. One of our artists is from the St. Louis area. One is from uh, Oregon, Mm -hmm. from the West Coast. We've got a lot of different kinds of artists who have, who have either done, um, painted imagery for us, which we blow up and produce for an outdoor environment, or we've commissioned a sculpture, sculpture from Kevin Chambers here in Atlanta of Simeon and the Christ child. We've drawn a lot of our spirituality from Luke's story that the church is named for the church of the purification of the blessed Virgin Mary, which is the same story as the presentation of the Lord. So we've tried to capture the spirituality of that story and Simeon's encounter with the Holy family as an idea of encounter through image Mm -hmm. and through word and we will be putting together a whole list of the artists who've done everything from painted works to crucifixes to sculptures you know we want people to encounter a lot of that when they're on the property and I used to I was thinking about this the other day I used to do a lot of speaking you know I spoke at bible studies I spoke at schools I did a lot of that now I'm letting the property speak. Now (laughs) the Lord has brought me to a place where it's like, let the property speak. Let the beauty of the art speak. Let the way you've set up the prayer spaces speak. So I don't have to speak anymore. We're developing a place. We've really focused on place. That that speaks e- everything I would want people to know about faith and encountering Christ and how wonderful the Catholic Church is. So the property's doing the speaking for me mm. now.
1: Awesome. And if somebody's listening to this, and they're thinking, "Oh my gosh, I want to come and encounter that, right? Yes. I want to come and experience that." And maybe they think, "Okay, I want to bring my spouse along with me, but oh, my spouse is not going to be so open to this." Do you have any words of wisdom for people who who are seeking and but they know somebody might not be as um, open to that as they are sure i would say um and i call it a taste come come have a little taste of
3: of the experience don't go full on initially Mm -hmm. in other words come to one of our public events if you'd like come stay in a cottage next year the reservations are already open and but don't come as part of a retreat weekend just come to stay with your spouse and enjoy getting some exercise and having some time together and eating some good food and you know check it check it out without having to be fully invested in a program or a full day retreat there are lots of opportunities to come and and get some little taste of it. It's not quite as intimidating, I think to do that. I don't think any of it's intimidating, but for someone who is reluctant, yeah. um, that might be the way to, to go first.
0: That's good. And if they're reluctant, um, yeah. this is, it, it, as Betsy and I spoke when I was out there, this is like the, um, Ritz Carlton of <laughs> Tolliver County. That's right. Uh, not, not disparaging uh, the county itself, but you know, a lot of times when you think about the retreat centers, there, you know, people have bought land that already had buildings existing, mm-hmm. and they're old, and they're they're not torn down. You know, they're renovated, and it's beautiful. But this is really special from a standpoint of the lodge that's being built. You feel like you're up in the Colorado mountains, quite frankly. Very mm-hmm. rustic feeling, mm-hmm. each one of the cabins mm-hmm. is brand new they're they're comforting they're 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 um inviting. you can have two couples mm-hmm. so a family can have and share mm-hmm. a cabin together mm-hmm. and in your program you've talking about taste let's let's talk about taste for a moment mm-hmm. um you provide a bre- breakfast basket mm-hmm. so they don't have to worry about that, but then you provide lunch and dinner is a part of, I'll call it the package of coming out there.
3: That's right. We take care of everything. There's no place to eat except in Crawfordville, which is eight miles from us. So we'll be providing everyone's meals. We want to take care of people from the time they check in. the time they check out so Mm -hmm. some people when they check in will experience a farm to table dinner and their breakfast basket if they leave before lunch the next day then they don't necessarily have to eat lunch but if they stay for the weekend their lunch will be included too so the idea is Craig is to get there leave your car in the parking lot across from the cottages and let us take care of you and let you rest and not have to worry about logistics and other things and let let you have quality time with yourself and the Lord, with your family, with your Bible study group that you've come with, whatever. So we're taking care of all those details. And I think the food, portion is big because we want to serve fresh good meals to people so you feel good when you leave. We've invested in good mattresses and it's not a frumpy place. It's not, a nice place all, and you want it we want you to feel good when you leave. Not like you've got a back pain and I now gotta go home and deal with Sleeping you know, on a floor that terrible a retreat somewhere. mattress I just slept on. Well That's and right. what's
0: interesting too is because I picture my father who was came into the Catholic church very late in his life. Um was not when I say not a religious person, meaning um he wasn't a regular going to confession he would kid and say i don't do anything i don't sin so i don't have to go to confession that was just (laughs) his way to hide his own i'm embarrassed by having to do this but even in his early stages i could see that my mother would be able to get him to go out there it is comfortable he liked to eat good food and in their world it would be my mom would be like i'm going to be in the chapel i'm going to go do these things he would have sat there and fished in that pond mm-hmm. for days all by himself. And that's where you really leave it up to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to slowly open up somebody's heart. They're not there for that specifically, but God's gonna do that work in them and, and, and tra- change them. So I think you've covered, God's covered the basis on mm-hmm. how to really evangelize every level of person that there is from beginner to experience. I heard Jesus had an affinity for fishermen. That's right. Well, I heard There's
3: something about that in the gospels. That's I was right.
1: waiting for that.
2: So we, we're we going to be tight on time here, but um, Betsy, maybe just give us a little, in addition to the, like the, taste for your stomach. Give us a taste for our heads, like some of the speakers that you're going to have out okay.
3: there. Okay. We've got our 2024 retreat schedule loaded up and the host of the family room, you three <laughs> are doing a retreat for us in November of 2024. Our, we opened the weekend of April 5th through 7th, which is right after Easter. And we opened with a pretty big bang with Dr. Scott Hahn, who's coming the first weekend in May. Uh, we've got Matthew Leonard from Um, Science of Sainthood. Rachel Balducci from Augusta is doing some programming for us. Floriani will be there, the Sacred Music Group. Uh, We've got a real interesting variety and y'all's retreat will be scheduled, is scheduled already for November. So we have a great lineup and the way people find out how to A, attend a retreat or B, just come to Heritage is to go to our website, which is Heritage GA, the word heritage followed by ga.org. Yes, we don't. um, Our old website doesn't get people to the website. And I don't know enough about technology to know what we (laughs) messed up by by that happening. But Heritage GA and you can hit visit and see the lineup of we've got almost all of our retreats up. Reform wellness is coming. So. That's a great way to find out what's happening. We
1: have them on our show. We have. Yeah. 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 Jackie yes. huh That's great. So listeners, we will have information on our show notes as well. But just remember that website is heritagega.org. Betsy, it has been a delight to have you with us. We can't wait to have you come back again. Thank you. Would you bless us by closing in prayer? I'd be happy to. Thank you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen.
3: Lord, we are so grateful for the opportunity to be together, to collaborate, to bring the gospel to a world that so desperately needs it, needs you. Thank you so much for the privilege of being here this morning, getting to talk with the family room host. Lord, we pray that this message reaches the people it needs to reach and we thank you for the opportunity to invite them to a sacred place to seek, find, and renew faith. We love
1: you, Lord, and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. 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 God the the Holy, Spirit. Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Betsy, and thank you for joining us here in The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us in The Family Room,
4: sponsored by First Sprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.